Welcome to Flatback Sober, the wonderful AF, with your host Duncan Baskaran Brown. Hey there, Sober Warriors. Welcome to the Flatpak Sober podcast, your catalogue of tips, tricks and tactics to help you live the life you want beyond alcohol. I am super excited, like even more excited than normal because it's the first episode. What could be better than the first episode? Well, maybe the second one. We'll, we'll find out, I guess. And I'm also uh, super excited because I've got an amazing guest with me today. I'm um, being joined by Nick Engel today. He got sober in 2006. A few years later, he started Emmett Gym. And I really like the way that they do business. They've got a, a ton of really impressive corporate sounding clients, but they're also working with young athletes and coaches in some of the more deprived areas of his homeland, South Africa. So, you know, solid business model and using it to do some good in the world, the kind of thing that we really, really like the sound of. And of course, there's the small matter of Nick winning a gold medal at the International Pro Weightlifting federations african championship so uh maybe maybe we'll get into that anyway uh, nick you know thank you so much for joining me i'm i'm really excited to have a chat today i'm just kidding <laughs> got you sorry ah, man. <laughs> you did indeed that's i told you this was going to be fun so before before we get in before we have too much fun though i have a yeah. serious question for you and this right. is the question i'm going to ask everybody at the start of the mm. podcast well, actually, it's two. So, firstly, do you uh, do, are you familiar with the works of IKEA? Do you do you have an IKEA in South Africa? Uh, in terms of the furniture, we oh, I, yeah, I know, but we don't, unfortunately. You don't. Okay, mm. so um, but you you get the idea about flat pack furniture, right? I'm yeah, sure you I have do. that. Absolutely. Okay. Cool. So, if I asked you to build some flat pack furniture, mm. you know, what would be your approach? How would you uh, how would you tackle that? Uh, outsourcing. I, 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 I do what I'm good at. And no, I think building some furniture would be fun, but I'd read the instructions first okay. and yep. check all my check all the, uh, the components and everything was there and then sort of start from there because, uh, not following instructions is not a good idea. And I learned that from my, my stepson, he was phenomenal at building Lego. So he was a, a, a devotee of the instruction manual. Sure, sure. But I mean, what I got from that is there's a, like a little mm. bit more than just sitting down with a cup of tea and the instructions. You kind mm. of like laying all the bits out, checking yep. you've got everything. So you're kind of absorbing all the information before you go and do anything. Uh, well, absolutely. Lay it all out on the floor. Have a look what's there. And uh, then, yeah, you know that you've got everything you need to get started. Excellent. And is that kind of your approach to a lot of things? You know, do you kind of reflect, absorb the information and then go and do it? Um, no, not at all, actually, because, um, I'm, I'm quite impulsive. Well, I, I was very impulsive and I do make some impulsive decisions, but over the years, I've got a little bit more cautious and stayed in how I approach things. And, uh, now it's, it's a, it's a balance between, uh, analysis paralysis and, you know, not getting it done. So, but yeah. some, sometimes you just got to go. You just well, got to get it done. Yeah, so. I have a feeling. I have a feeling that's going to come up in a minute. The reason Funny why I, I, like, I, I like to um, to start with that mm. is I, I, I kind of want people to get a bit of an understanding of yeah. of where you're coming from because sometimes you hear all of these experts and they say some things and you think that's amazing, but you could never make that work, and that kind mm -hmm. of like mm -hmm. is a bit disheartening and it makes you sort of want to give up doesn't it? So yeah. I, I think it's good to understand where, where you're coming from so that people listening can say, oh yeah, I like that, that resonates with me. And that resonates with me because Nick has a similar mm -hmm. sort of approach to me, or maybe it doesn't because, uh, you know, they approach things in a different way. So that just arms the listeners a little bit to understand the kind of advice that you're right. you're you're going to give us so um yeah well let's let's start with getting stuck in shall we so uh cool. why are you the first guest on my podcast then uh because i told you to get on with it <laughs> i literally yeah. uh yeah i'm going you know i think we were planning this for a month's time and uh you know especially with this kind of stuff where it can be a bit intimidating just just get going just get done you know what um, and and one you can be ahead of the curve uh, potentially or 
the, the first one's usually the toughest and you grow from there. Well, yeah. So like, you've got to tune in for the next episode. I'm going to be so yeah. good at this by then. By then. Yeah, cool. And you know, you're already, I, you're already good at this. Thank you. It's very kind of you to say so. But um, do you think that kind of that attitude of just, you know, sometimes you've got to lay it on the line, you've got to get stuck yeah. in. Do you think that's sort of good advice in terms of sobriety, in terms of living the life that you're you're after? Well, so the, my personal experience, and I'm, I'm not one to give advice, I can just share my experiences, what I've sure. been through. The The biggest thing with, with getting sober, I struggled and I stopped drinking many, many times. So I, I was fortunate that even sitting on my, my couch with my gun in my mouth asking God to give me the courage to kill myself because the drinking had stopped working, even that wasn't enough. And um, I was very fortunate to get called into a meeting with my CEO and my MD. And they asked me, do I have a drinking problem? And at that point, I understood that, you know, if I said no, I would have been fired and I would have been dead within six months, drunk myself to death, shot myself or taken myself out. And I didn't want to die. So that's why I said yes. So uh, to answer the question, you know, yeah, absolutely. Nothing. I don't think stopping drinking is ever going to negatively affect anyone's life. I've never seen alcohol, drugs, food, sex, gambling, whatever we go to, but let's say alcohol particularly because it's so available, add value to anyone's life. So we, I think I, I drink because I'm more comfortable around people when I drink. Well, in reality, alcohol is depriving me of developing the skills I need to be comfortable around people. Um, I drink because I'm ashamed to dance when I'm sober. I stop drinking. I'm still ashamed. No, <laughs> but you, you get the, so alcohol deprive anything that we use a substance for to change how we're feeling, to change a situation. It's just depriving us of developing the skill set that we need to develop it. We've got to be uncomfortable to grow. So. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, comfort is a little bit overrated. I mean, there are there are mm. times when you need to sit on the sofa and watch a bit of Netflix. Just don't make mm. it a full time job, right? Yeah. Uh, so, what what method did you use to get sober then? So, um, I, I tried several times on my own, where I'd stop cold turkey. Um, I was engaged to a lovely lady who didn't like my drinking, my, my drinking, rightly so. And please excuse me, I've been battling a, a sinus infection at the moment as well. So if the nose does block and the English isn't so good, just wave your hand. So, um, you know, the, the, the thing for me with stopping drinking, I booked into a treatment program. Um, I got sat down by my bosses and they, on a Thursday and they said, you, do you want help? And I said, yes, please. So I went to go and see a gentleman by the name of Dan Wolf, who runs a treatment center in South Africa called Houghton House. Interestingly enough, after our meeting, uh, he said to me, right, you're an alcoholic. <laughs> you start the program on Monday. And, and that for me was some of the best news that I had because it just it wasn't working do it, going it alone. And when I went into the program on Monday afternoon, it was an outpatient program from four to seven in the afternoon. And, um, you know, w walking up that, that drive towards the house, it was, and it was absolutely terrifying and see all these people laughing and joking and smoking and drinking coffee. It was terrifying. But I sat in that, that, that first meeting, Duncan, and I thought to myself, hang on a minute. Does this mean I have to stop drinking? You know, I can't go to the pub afterwards, the Keg and Beagle, which is my local. You know, I, you guys aren't going to upskill me in terms of how to drink successfully. That's crazy. That doesn't make sense. And then I realized like, okay, it's fine. You know, let's just get it done. So again, it was, a, it was multiple instant decisions that got me sober and that got me here today, which is, I think, what, 16 odd years later. So from 2006. Yeah. So it, it, it was kind of literally that moment of just saying, right, if not now, then when? when? Let's do it. You know, yeah. it's just, just take if that not, decision. Yeah. That's a, if not now, then death. 
So I, I'm very, very fortunate that um, I got to that point because it made my recovery a lot easier. Because what I've learned, and I've, I've been fortunate over the years, probably the last 14 or 15 years to work with the addicts at Houghton House, their patients in recovery, both in primary and secondary. And I see the same thing repeating where I see a young kid come in and he'll get sober and three years later, he's back because he stops doing the basics. And yeah. the, the worst thing that I see about this disease, affliction, whatever we want to call it, challenge is there are multiple rock bottoms. You know, I had my beautiful, beloved father who I lost last year, but it was my best friend in tears multiple times wanting me to stop drinking. That was a rock bottom. A car accident was a rock bottom. Losing relationships was a rock bottom. But I had to find multiple rock bottoms and any one of them as a rock bottom would have sufficed. And... You know, I just kept doing more damage to myself and, and those around me, which is which is not cool at all. No, no, no. So you sort of said um, you, you see people coming back after a few years because they've stopped yeah. doing the basics. So yeah. what, what are the basics in, in your opinion? So for me, number one for me is service. Um, so you see the work we do with the, the kids out in rural. I mean, listen, firstly, uh, if you, you know, if you've heard of the Drakensberg, it's one of the most beautiful parts of our country. The Michael Caine movie Zulu was shot there in the 60s. It just, it's magnificent. So why would I not want to go out there? So it's, you know, like going out now, you're driving up into the mountains, into these rural villages where there's two to 300 kids. Uh, sorry, two to 300 people in the entire village and it's 50, 60 kids. And um, I share my story. I, I had quite a challenging childhood. Um, there was abuse involved from my mom's dealers because unfortunately she didn't have the opportunity to get sober and she took her own life when she was 40. So, but going out and, and talking to these kids and seeing them understanding what I'm saying and having experienced that, that adds such value to my life that it prevents me ever not being grateful. So service for me builds my builds and maintains my gratitude, and my gratitude is what builds my quality of life. The other basics are your step work, meetings, getting involved, and it's a great thing to hang around people who are in recovery because it keeps us honest and it keeps out our own, you know, nonsense stories that we're very, very good at telling ourselves. You know, addiction's a superpower because we can get whatever we want, eh, Duncan. If we want something, we can manipulate, we can control, we can charm, we can do whatever we want. If I wanted a drink, nothing would stop me drinking. If I was broke, I would find money. I would drive around at two, three in the morning looking for a, a little supermarket that's open and spending a ridiculous amount of money on a hiked up two liter box of wine, or if I was lucky, five liter box of wine, because although I was still drunk, I was drunk, I could find a box of wine. And, you know, five liters was always better than a liter. I mean, that's the insanity. So just by doing the basics and, and being around people that remind me um, that it doesn't matter how far down this road I've gone, uh, I still got to do the basics every day, wake up knowing that I've got to spend the rest of my day being sober. But that's all we have to do. You know, time in the morning we wake up to when we go to bed, be sober, and then string those days together and build a life. Yeah, I mean, I think there's something really interesting in that that mm -hmm. idea of um, <clears throat> you know being very resourceful, and uh, that that tallies with with my money. Uh, you know, I was yeah. uh, pretty much always skint, but um, I always always can find the money for the for the cigarettes, for the drugs, for the uh, for yeah. the alcohol. And, you know, that kind of that creativity, that intelligence, I see that a lot in the people that I work with. Yeah. And, you know, that uh, that's why I think you're, you're right about service. It's a way of challenging that creativity, that intelligence, mm -hmm. that resourcefulness. Um, so, I, I mean, that that's something that you uh, you encourage. And I, I, I guess from what you're saying, you you're a big fan of the 12 step program. That's so here, here's the thing. Um, 
I'm a fan of anything that enables people to stopping drinking, stopping using is the easy part. What worked for me within the 12 step program and, and how crazy is this? When I went into, when, when I stopped drinking, there was, we didn't do the 12 steps. So they do it now, but I've, I've never done the 12 steps. I mean, how crazy is that? But I, I know it, I understand it. I use part of it, making amends that was vitally important to me. I had an amazing woman that I dated and I really, I mean, I, I broke her heart with my drinking. And when I went a few years later to apologize to her, on other, just, I'm not going to discuss the intricacies of it out of respect to her privacy, but it affected her tremendously because someone actually bothered to apologize to her genuinely. So there are such wonderful tools. Um, but I'm a fan of anything that gets people not to stop stopping using for sure, but to build a life of quality, like what you're doing here, you know, like, I remember sitting on a bar stool at the keg and, and wondering, you know, why, why is my life not going anywhere? Well, it wasn't going anywhere because I wasn't going anywhere. I was stuck in the pub every day, you know, and missing, I mean, missing events and fun, like it just, it made it in sobriety years later, it makes no sense, right? But then in the moment, all I, all I wanted to do was numb my pain and not feel. That was it. Now, as you said, you've got to go through pain. Pain is, you know, it's not such a bad thing when it leads to growth. So, yeah, well, I, actually, I guess, um, you know, you're obviously quite connected with the, the physical side of life. Um, mm. I, I think you've got a strong body and you've got the medals to prove it, right? Uh, yeah, a few so, of them, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's more than I have. Well, unless you count those sort of like six. Don't you worry. Medals. I know a lot of guys in British powerlifting. We'll be referring you on. I'm going to share this with the Kuglins and they, they can get you going. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, go cool. on. I'm up for a challenge, and uh, yeah. you know, I, I, I as I said, I, I think getting comfort out, or at least you know, reducing mm. the amount of comfort. We have too much comfort in the modern world. Um, so does that tie in with the kind of the physical aspects of it? Is that something you think is really important yeah. to people getting sober? So it's an. There's two facets on that. So winning gold for South Africa, I think 2015 or 2016. That was, I mean, mind blowing for me. I mean, it was, I was never a sporty guy at school. I was a librarian and chairman of the photographic society. So <laughs> the fact I got a, dawn, a date for the high school dance is quite fast, still quite one of my life's greatest achievements. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but the, I stopped, I made a decision that I'd stop competing after I won gold. So I could focus on coaching because what I learned from service is that the coaching had were actually meant far more to me than myself when I'm coaching and I've built up a team of coaches now and from uh, disadvantaged communities, challenge communities, these guys are amazing, like upskilling them. And they either, some are working with us, some are on their own, some are with other gyms. It's a wonderful thing to see the physical part of it is the most wonderful gift. Because what I've learned and we're doing this with the patients in recovery is we, the mind doesn't distinguish or we can't distinguish between physical, emotional and spiritual pain. You know, if, if you have to do 200 push-ups, uh, you know, and you, you can only ever manage 10 by the seventh push-up on your road to 200, you're having that discussion with yourself. And that's the same discussion that kept us in the pub or that made us go and buy to use or that made us lie to our loved ones. The discussion's the same. So to use the physical training as a way to prove to ourselves that we're capable of more, we're capable of pushing through that pain, we're capable of you know, not wussing out and sticking out and growing and doing more, that's the value of the physical. The other value of the physical is <laughs> quite crazy. This is how long I've been sober. It was 15,000 Rand for the 12-week program that I went into at Houghton House. And, and well, then it was first step. But the thing is that, like, it was my last money that I had on my credit card. And it was, oh, sorry, 
the last money I had on my last credit card or facility at the bank or loan or all right. So there wasn't access to other cash. And I had a choice. I could pay for myself to go on a work trip with my colleagues because I had I just missed qualification. And they said, you can come with, but you got to pay. Or I could book myself into rehab. So now I didn't even have money to go to the pub. I came home with nothing to do. So the meeting is great for outpatient. It's great because you're there, you're surrounded, you're safe, you're supported. This is the value of inpatient where you don't leave. I came home. I had nothing to do. I was terrified. And that's when the voices started, the demons, the, that noise. The, the re- Just getting sober is, is great. The challenge is we give up our our coping mechanism without having the skills yet. That's the challenge of early recovery. So I started with one push-up. I watched a documentary on Charles Atlas, his body weight and body tank. I started with one push-up and I built my life from there. And I realized the value of the physical helping build the spiritual and the emotional. And that's when we tied that. I ended up back in corporate, well, coaching corporates because that's what I knew. And that's why I had my network. Yeah, so absolutely. It's a wonderful thing. Provided, provided we do not cross addict. Because I know guys who have run from Johannesburg to Cape Town. That's 1,400 kilometers. Okay. Multiple yeah. times. And that ended back up in, 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 in treatment because they weren't doing the basics. So, yeah. Listen, I was training four or five hours a day. And I realized this is not getting healthy, so emotionally. And uh, so I opened the gym and then I never had time to train. So that worked out really well. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that that's that's such an important point. You've, you've kind of got mm. to find that balance, haven't you? You've got to find between the two extremes. I, I mean, mm. I, I, I know what you mean about trying to find something to, to fill up the time. And he, so for, for my money, I, I, I'd always wanted to be a, a writer and I'd sort of like dabbled. I've done some bits and bobs. I never had the courage to show it to anybody. But mm. when I stopped drinking, I suddenly discovered I had all of this time. So I started writing and I can absolutely see how that could have been just another black hole that I could sink, mm. sink into to to try and ignore the pain and to try and ignore everything that was going on in my life and honestly I probably did a little bit uh, you know if you ask my mm. wife she would she would definitely tell you that I buried my head into those notebooks a little bit too much um but you know it it, it provided me with meaning with purpose mm. with all of the kind of stuff that you that, that you're talking about so um but, but just on that point for you in all fairness because I think it's quite a valid one you were learning who the new you was and she was learning who the new you was so it might have been we only know when to stop when we've gone a little bit too far into something we go hang about step back so you know don't be too hard on yourself for that please no 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 i just i i think i think it's important to uh kind of kind of be aware of 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 that tension that Mm. um you know you can go this is great i've got this new thing and then you just end up yeah. sucked into the, <laughs> the new thing yeah you? exactly yeah so i laugh because yeah. yep that's me in a nutshell yeah 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 well you be kindred spirits i bought some yeah. um i bought some inline skates the other day and there were right. there are now bits of my body that i didn't know existed that hurt not not it's not the exercise it's the falling over but uh, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so other than bodybuilding writing a book and inline skating yeah. have you noticed anything sort of like recurring themes with people that that there's their stuff that they've been putting themselves into mm. that's been helpful to get get over that kind of thing i think the so the guys that i've seen get sober and stay sober and unfortunately it's not a lot um and and i will say this having worked with houghton for 16 years they're one of the best in the world. So it just shows what an incredible struggle people are going through. But if we're not willing to go through our pain, if we're trying to go over it, around it, under it, negotiate with it, if we're not willing to go through it, nothing changes. And one of two things will happen. We will either end up using again, or even worse, potentially, is we become a dry drunk. 
you know, those miserable old buggers sitting on the park bench on their own, or, you know, get off my lawn, you know, those, so with, with no connection. So, you know, the, the thing is that we really have to do the work. We have to examine our pain. We have to be willing to be courageous. We have to be willing to do interviews like this. We have to be willing to stand up in front of a school or a university and share our story and our pain. Every time I do a talk, every time I do a share, every time I do an interview, I learn more about myself. And that's a wonderful gift. So from, I'm saying thank you to you for this opportunity because it's helping me learn a little bit more of who I am. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, that, that resonates a, a, a lot with me. And it's it's coming from that point of view of service, isn't it? You want to mm-hmm. kind of show the world that there is another way that, um, you know, mm-hmm. That kind of got a hint of that when you were talking right at the start. That like you you were almost in a position where you didn't think there was another option, and then when somebody came along and said, "Oh, actually, you're an alcoholic. Mm. It's it's quite common now. There's all these other people yeah. that do it, and you know they've they've found a way of getting out of it." That Absolutely. kind of like that was that was a big moment, I guess. No, that that was a moment that changed my life because I thought, okay, there's a chance now. I, I don't know what this holds. I don't know what this future holds, but I know that there's a chance, there's a road, there's a path, there's a potential. For me, I didn't want to be where I was anymore in my life. I couldn't. I mean, literally, to get to the point where you're going to shoot yourself in the mouth, and there was a few times that happened. You know, it's it's not a good place to be. It's a very dark and lonely place. But that opportunity of here's a way you know and i was very fortunate with the group that i was with with the rehab the treatment center the rehab the people that were in there one of the therapists laurie day number three called me out my my bs gave me a blast and a mapola you know mapola is a slap to the back of the head of note um i had other guys a, a good friend of mine and unfortunately, he. so this is the gift of being sober. And I, I know you share it with energy and passion and love. He was sober for three years and was diagnosed with, uh, with I think it was liver or, pan, liver or pancreatic, pancreatic cancer. And he, he was gone within six months. All right. He never drank. He didn't use. He died sober. So if you ever had an opportunity or a justification it's the fact you're going to die and there's nothing that can be done. Well, what the hell? I might as well break out the Johnny Blue. You know, he chose to die sober. And that is, you know, that's all you really need to say. So whatever the path that someone finds that's healthy and helps them grow and develop as a person, we stop drinking. That's great. But why did we, why were we not able to stop drinking? is the real reason. What's the reason we started? And when all our mates stopped, we couldn't. That's what we need to uncover. Yeah, no, I think that's that's a very interesting story about your friend. And, you know, I was thinking about this the other day and I was thinking, well, what what is it that would, what series of events would actually lead me to want to start drinking mm-hmm. again? And I, I couldn't really come up with something. In fact, I idly realized that there's more chance of me cheating on my wife than there is of me drinking. Don't, don't tell her I said that. I mean, she's... I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking around for the frying pan coming around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Although the the good news is that now I no longer drink. The chances of me cheating on my wife are actually pretty slim, aren't they? Because yeah, I, I don't yeah. tend to just go out and do stupid things anymore. Well, I mean, apart from apart from the inline skates, but that that's a that's a different matter. Um, mm. but I, I guess. You know, you've obviously come a long way since since you were drinking. Do you think you've you, you're completely beyond alcohol? Is it is it still kind of a part of your thought process? So for me, what I found worked is the fact that I view every single day as day one of my recovery. Everything that I've done, because you know, it, if you look at it like like drinking. People would always say to me when when I stopped, can't you have one or can't you have two, you know, or three? And I always say to them, look, right now I'm thinking as a sober person. I make all my decisions as a sober person. The moment I have one drink, Duncan, the moment I have one, I'm no longer sober. So all of those decisions I made as a sober person 
are irrelevant because I could tell myself I'm having two drinks and after the effects of two drinks worth of alcohol on me, when I'm making the decision to honor what I said when I was sober or have my third, I'm now doing that as a drunk person. So for me, that's how I view my recovery. I wake up, I'm sober, day one, okay? No arrogance, no ego, no, no belief that I've got this, no belief that I'm done. And I question myself and I've surrounded myself with some wonderful people that can call me on my nonsense, that can call me out if I'm misbehaving. And that can also, you know, COVID was a big challenge because I suddenly realized once, and we do all, we, did, we took the whole business online. I hadn't left my apartment in two weeks. I hadn't seen another human being in two weeks and it started to feel really nice. Like I didn't have to waste energy on my anxiety. So I have tremendous anxiety. I just, I understand it and I can use it as fuel. But I, so, oh, I don't have to worry about my anxiety. I'm not seeing people. So hold, hold on a second. I've just, I'm getting addicted to not having anxiety. So that, you know, that's the day one. Every day is day one. All I have to deal with is from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed. I have a sinus infection. I had this a couple of months, years ago. I was in Durban, and um, so I have nose, always had nose issues um, with the air in Johannesburg, and probably the amount of thinners I sniffed as a kid as well may have something to do with it. But the the I went to the doctor, a new doctor, and I said to him, I'm an alcoholic. You can't give me anything with codeine or any scheduled drug. No problem. Wrote out the script, went to the pharmacy, and the pharmacist um, gave, filled out the script. And I said to the farm, I'm an alcoholic. You can't give me no problem, sir. There. So two medical professionals. And I posted a picture of my cake and the medication uh, on social. And a friend of mine, Oliver Nathan, who is also doing incredibly well with his recovery, very proud of him, um, messaged me, said, hey, you know, that's got codeine in it. And I hadn't taken it yet. I was like, wait, what? What do you mean? And that, so even there as being as careful as I was, but I was lazy. I didn't read the, I didn't read the ingredients myself. I trusted two medical professionals and I went back and I, I had a conversation with them that may not, it actually wasn't hard. Just said, understand that you've put my life at risk. And I think they were more worried about being sued. So every day is day one, 16 years are a skill set but it's not a passport. It, it's not a license to do whatever I want. And yeah, I think there's an, an enormous amount, uh, you know, in that, in that humility as well. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of come up a couple of times, but um, you know, getting called on your um, yes, less than true beliefs, shall we say, yes. or your self-limiting beliefs. Now, so I, I kind of come from uh, a, a coaching background but Mm. more in the sense of, you know, helping people think through their problems. And Mm. in that kind of background, it's generally frowned upon to actually tell people what to do. But what I have found is that occasionally people, I think they do need that kick up. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, no, for sure. You're you're being an idiot. (laughs) It's like, you know, are you going to stop a child from putting their hand in the fire or are you going to let them find out for themselves? You know? So, no, no, I, I literally was looking after somebody else's daughter and mm-hmm. my daughter yesterday uh, afternoon, and I did have to tell her quite loudly to stop walking into the road, please. We do, It's like one of those ones where you can walk halfway across and there's a little island. And yes. she didn't stop at the little island and there was a car coming and I was like, yeah. Yep. So, yeah, sometimes you've got to do that. But, I, I mean, how about in terms of the 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 kind of the more physical coaching that you do, how much of it is, is helping people rethink uh, what they're doing and how much of it is just giving them that kind of blast? No, it's, it's a hundred percent. So no one comes to train with us to lose weight. No one comes to get into shape for summer. No one, none of that. We have athletes that come and drop a tremendous amount of weight if they're going to a different weight class. But everything that we do in our gym is about building mental, physical, emotional strength. So our programs are designed like that. 
and what we love about powerlifting as well is the coaching is linear, you know, but it could be, you didn't believe you could do 10 push-ups, and we get you to do 10 push-ups. You didn't believe you could do a 100 kilo bench press, we get you to do that. And then we sit down and say to them, how sure were you that you couldn't do this? And it's 100%. I knew I couldn't. I knew, well, now can you apply that to other areas of your life? You know, that you've just realized it's not true. So they, then there's a little bit of a light bulb moment on, on, yeah. on that yeah, goes yeah. off. Yeah. And I, I mean, I take my daughter to ballet and what, what I mm. realized the other day about that was she's not really learning to dance, is she? She's learning to turn up at the right place at the right time with the right yep. stuff. And, and be part of a team and a, a crew yeah. and understand that some people are nice, some people aren't so nice. And it's, you know, we need to be able to, to work with others if, even if we don't want to. Yeah. So it's that it's that completely rounded thing, because I think it's kind of tempting to to look at you and go, well, you're obviously very physical, aren't you? Um, and obviously, strong body is important, you know, but um, it, big heart, ordered mind, wide awake mm. spirit, all of that stuff, the complete package, the balance. That's that's what you're what you're after. Well, that's it. So, I mean, the mind is primary because everything happens, starts in the mind for me. So there's a wonderful uh, gym called Jim, uh, started by a guy, Mike, um, Mark Twite, called Jim Jones. And very early days, Twitter, pre-Facebook, I think even we found and discussed, it's a very hardcore training community. And here's the one who said, the mind is primary. And that's it. Also, he said, you become who, you know, you become who you hang around. So choose who you hang around. Like, I, why am I going back to the pub to drink coffee? <laughs> is this really the growth I'm looking for in my life? You know, and that's a real thing. That was a real thing for me. The, the point, my life is a gift. I nearly ended it. Why would I not want to be the best I can be for myself and for others in every aspect of my life, mental, physical, emotional, psychological, all of that. And that's why I'm going to Hong Kong now next week. And I'm going to go do my international. Um, so the, the first level, which is category two referees exam. I'm freaking terrified. I am one. I struggle to read Two, I struggle to remember. Now I'm going to have a whole bunch of exams and like, you know, every but I'm putting it out there that I'm going, you know, and it's just, yeah, so that's what makes life exciting. It's doing the, the fun stuff. But it's about being the best we can, Duncan, in everything that we do, you know, it's uh, respecting the gift. Yeah, I, I think I think you're so right about, um, you know, finding the right kind of people. Now, mm. I, are you familiar with Morris dancing? Have you ever, do you know any idea what I'm talking about? Okay, no, it's well, kind of I'm assuming that's a couple of Morris minors and you're going, which, which I did see actually in... Um, yeah, I think Isle of Man parking lot where they, they just race around. <laughs> what do you call it? Yobbos. Um, <laughs> where they're loud. Anyway, sorry. No, I have no idea. What is Morris dancing? So it's a, it's a kind of um, it's kind of quaint British folk dancing that involves oh, cool. ribbons and hankies and silly hats with flowers around them. Excellent. And it also tends to involve quite a lot of beer. It tends to happen in in pubs or close mm -hmm. to pubs. And honestly, I started dancing uh, because it's the greatest area in the world. If you want to start drinking at 10 o'clock, you know, you'll find a load of people mm -hmm. who think that's quite socially acceptable. So uh, it's true to say I started drinking. I, I started dancing mm -hmm. because of because of the drinking. But um, when I stopped i actually realized that i quite enjoy the dancing so you mentioned dancing sober earlier and i, mm, I i'm mm, all mm. for dancing sober i'm yeah i think i think dancing such an important and visceral part of being being human although yeah anything that involves moving your body i think can, can mm -hmm. kind of cover that and um well moving your body and freeing your spirit yeah yeah i do mm -hmm. actually spend quite a bit of time in the pub with mm -hmm. people and it's funny that you know like 15 years ago they were all hardcore drinkers and slowly <laughs> it's starting to taper off and uh yeah. there's uh, there's there's more and more of them i mean a guy i know um i you know i played a small part in him him getting sober and uh he used awesome. to edit a magazine about beer and now he's um thinking about starting one about alcohol-free beer so uh yeah you know yeah. it's um yeah it, 
it, it's amazing how these things are, are changing. But, you know, I, I, I always sort of think of it. There are some people that you do need to jettison from your life because you were only spending time drinking with them. But mm-hmm. that doesn't mean all the people you were drinking with, uh, you know. No, uh, for sure. To go. So, I, I mean, I presume you still go to events that have alcohol. Any thoughts on handling that? Yeah. So um, very early on in my recovery, the first couple of years, I I made a decision that if I was not comfortable, I'd leave. So a wedding or whatever. And it, I, I, every time I got invited, I explained to the hosts or the, the couple that are getting married, guys, if I'm not comfortable, I'm going to leave. And um, please, if you want to invite someone else in my place, I completely understand. I'll come to the service and I just won't come to the dinner afterwards. So, you know, no one ever said no to me, and uh, which was great. The, the other thing then, I mean, I've literally driven back um, two hours to come home because I felt uncomfortable at, a, at an event, at a sports event. I just, I walked into a pub at the hotel where there was a powerlifting competition and everything just like I froze and the smell and the vibe and, and it triggered a whole lot of negative belief within myself. So, nope, I went to the organizer, said, I'm off, have a lovely day, drove home. And I went to uh, one of the health shops and had a peanut butter smoothie, which was fantastic, two hours later. And in, by the time I'd gotten home, um, I, I was I was fine. It gave me time to think, play some great music. So the, everything we put before our recovery, we'll lose. Because if we put it before our recovery, we're not going to recover. And then we'll lose it anyway. And And that's hard to say because forget about not only drinking at a venue or leaving because people are drinking around you, but what about your job? What about a relationship or dear friendships? You know, I've, I've got rid of people in my life, even people that I'd met in early recovery because they didn't, you know, they weren't healthy to be around. And whatever we put ahead of our recovery, we lose. And by doing these things, it's a wonderful indicator to ourselves that we're actually prior, prior, prioritizing ourselves, prioritizing who we are and showing ourselves love. Because for me, I drank because I couldn't find love. And, you know, I couldn't, d- didn't believe I was lovable. And now I found the real love that I needed was actually from me. So, you know, and, yeah. and that's the thing. So flying is a serious challenge for me because for some reason, I think it's a little bit selfish of the airlines. They don't like you leaving at 42,000 feet. You know, they want to keep that door closed. I mean, it's very inconsiderate. Ah, terrible. So what I've done is, yeah, I, I, I struggle to read. So when there's turbulence and I flew back from, um, I was on a flight on Monday night. There was a lot of turbulence and <laughs> I read because I struggled to read. So I've got to focus so hard on reading. Um, it was blocking out the screaming children and the, the bumping around. And I realized the screaming child was me, but that's another story. <laughs> so, yeah, we got to do what we can to protect ourselves. And as hard as those decisions are, rather be in charge of ending the relationship than losing your recovery and losing everything as well. Yeah, that's, you know, like valuing yourself and believing that you deserve love and happiness and all of that kind of stuff. You know, I I definitely didn't see it when I was drinking. I didn't see it like that. Mm. Looking back on it now, I, I can see it. But what it's so clear when, you know, some of the people that I'm working with at the moment, it's just like, you you don't be, you at the moment you just don't believe you deserve any better and that's the kind of thing that we 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 really need to change because because everybody deserves to be happy everybody deserves love everybody deserves uh, absolutely everybody deserves to love themselves yeah Dude, it took me 11 how's this hey eh? and uh, my ex will probably kill me for saying this my ex-wife but no <laughs> it took me my divorce and I got married sober, by the way. I was sober for five years when I made that decision. I got, I, it, it took me the divorce for me to start to believe that I was lovable and for me to start to love myself. Because I, had a lo- I was in so much pain that if I didn't love myself, it, it would, I would have lost everything. And 
that that was the incredible thing and i think also that's the gift of recovery and of being sober the pain that we go through prepares us for the next pain and makes us stronger i mean i moved to cape town <laughs> um to, I, I spent 15 years selling insurance so I'm, I'm back in the suit but no so having lost just a little off the topic quickly having lost my dad in january last year um, running a gym, I used to wear golf shirts and T-shirts and stuff. Um, I started to put my suits back on as a way of taking 15 minutes every morning just to prioritize myself and self, show myself a little bit of self-love and um, do something special for myself. And that's what I've just I've carried on now. So I enjoy getting dressed in the morning, and it's fun. It's like a little pick the tie, pick the shirt, pick the jack, you know, and so – these are the things that we can sort of do. I forgot what I, what I was saying prior to that. Sorry, this happens often. <laughs> no, it's cool. I mean, I think you would. You, you, that's quite. That's that's quite a good point. You were showing yourself that you deserve yep. something better. You know, you're you're picking the tie. You're making yourself yep. look nice. You, I, I think that's massive. I think that that's that's so important. But I can um, see you going. Just, I'm not putting on a tie, mate. <laughs> Well, I do. I, I do very, very occasionally wear a yeah. tie, but only very, very occasionally. It yeah. has to be. It's usually Remembrance Sunday. That's that's probably okay. one of the only times I ever yeah. wear a tie. Funerals, I might, I might go anyway. Um, yeah, I'm not really yeah. a tie guy. But uh, just before I let you go, um, yeah. if you've ever been to IKEA, you know they've got the they've got mm -hmm. the cafe, and you've got to kind of go along, and you've got to eat the meatballs. And nobody really likes the meatballs, but everybody like eats them because it's sort of compulsory. So, mm -hmm. is, is there anything in terms of you know recovery and sobriety that you think that that nobody really likes doing, but everybody ought to do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, be honest with yourself. And be honest in everything that you do. And when you can't be honest with yourself, have people around you that force you to be honest or call you out when you're not being honest. So literally, we talk about ego. You know, that's our biggest stumbling block. You know, we think, oh, I've got this or I don't need to apologize for that because they did that. And then, you know, meanwhile, or keeping secrets, you know, the secrets are poisonous. So the thing that we don't like to do is from the honesty point of view is realize that we're fallible we're broken and we're not perfect and the reason we don't want to feel that is because when we do feel about it or we think about it it reminds us that we're not lovable which is our core destructive belief that we have to change so just because we're fallible doesn't mean we're not lovable so i think oh, that's, the, yeah. that's that's so much better than meatballs that's brilliant so uh like, how can people uh, find out more about what you do? Yeah, listen, I mean, social media, Nicholas Ingle. So it's uh, N-I-C-H-O-L-A-S-I-N-G-E-L on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. I think I'm pretty much on everything except TikTok. Um, I, don't I don't trust that app. <laughs> In one month, it used five gigs of data, and I haven't wow. posted anything or ever gone on it. <laughs> that was delete. <laughs> yeah. So that, you know, that's again, just on that point, we, we can panic that, oh my gosh, I'm missing out on this market my business but nah, i don't feel comfortable don't have to do it i'll prioritize other places so yeah so just yeah nicholas ingle on the emmet gyms website um and that's it so one thing i'd like to ask you while we're recording this is and maybe you can edit this and put this in the beginning why are you doing the podcast what what's the intention here what what do you want people to get and to take away from this so it's kind of like something that you 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 talked about quite a lot. So you know about how it is. It's, it's kind of easy to stop drinking. The trick is to stay stopped, and that's really the focus of of my kind of research and inquiry mm -hmm. at the moment. And what I found myself doing was I was having these great conversations with people I know who've got sober, and I was trying to like pull the the detail out of them, um, you know, about what they were doing, what was working for mm -hmm. them. Um, and I realized that it's just, it, it's a waste to, to keep those conversations just between us. You know, I thought I needed to share that. I need to, to, to get the information out there to, to, to help other people mm -hmm. to, yeah, not just, not just get sober, but, but to stay sober and find that life beyond it. And, you know, go and go and whatever, whatever your aim is, but go and win 
the gold medal that you're supposed to be going and winning. You know, that's what yeah. I, that's what I want from people. You know, I want to I want to create a, a sober army of of you know of proper proper sober warriors, so that we can we can take down the drinks industry, we can take down the nicotine mm. industry, and then uh, you know then we can really get started. And God knows what you know millions of sober warriors could actually achieve on this planet. Absolutely, you know, build, building an army of people who love their lives and value themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that you know that 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 would change the planet, wouldn't it? Yeah, hundred percent, absolutely. Cool. But you know, right. ch- changing the planet's a big thing. You know, changing the people who list, find your show and listen to it. And one thing I want to add as as for you, as you know, I loved your post where you acknowledged people on Instagram, just to read the comments of how surprised people were and it wasn't being i didn't i got the sense they not that they were surprised by the thank by the message from you but that they were actually acknowledged and thanked and i think that was a wonderful gift you gave them yeah yeah well i so i a couple of weeks ago it was um eight years since i stopped drinking and i kind of like to think of it as rebirth day you know, mm-hmm. and I kind of like to think of it as an opportunity to just be grateful for everything, not not just the stopping drinking, but everything that's changed and everything that's that's brought joy to my life. And, you know, one of the things that, that kept coming up with that was people saying, oh, I don't know how I've helped. And it's like, well, partly it's just because you're one of the good guys. That's mm-hmm. just just keep doing that. Don't do anything different. Just be on the side of everything that's light and righteous. But a lot of the people, it's like, they don't even know it, but they totally elevated my thinking and they've just, you know, you know, changed the way the way I look at the world. And that, you know, to get to 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 reinforce the point you made earlier about being around the right kind of people, that's that's what I'm so grateful for. All of those people, you know, through the last, well, 46 and a half years that I've been on this planet who have helped me and who have elevated my thinking. And that includes your good self. So thank you. Very kind. Thank you. No, absolutely. And I think you need to start a um, sober Morris dance league. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's funny. I used to kind of like jokingly say that I'm the only sober Morris dancer in the world, but yeah. it just isn't true anymore. So, um, yeah, you, you, you might be seeing Temperance Morris uh, dancing Absolutely. away after <laughs> all. Who knows? Love it. Love it. Absolutely. Uh, lovely. Thank you for the opportunity to come and talk and to and, share. You know, and, appreciate and, it. And, Thank you. Thank you for your time and your insight and, uh, you know, your experience is uh, brilliant. So um, have a great day and, uh, well, ca- we'll too. catch up again some point. Yep. Have a great day. All right, mate. You too. Take care, Doug. Cheers. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. That's it for another episode of Flatpack Sober. Don't forget to join us next time for more tips, threats and tactics to build your sober life with only a few screws and your bolt left over. And don't forget to check out the show notes and discover your sober style at flatpacksober.com.